Warning, the following podcast is conducted by trained professionals. Any attempts to replicate opinions given in this production may result in serious physical and or mental disfigurement. Viewer discretion is advised. Greetings, Earthlings, and welcome to the show again. It's happening. You're back. You know who's also back? Matt. That was a cue. Oh, I'm also here. Hey, yeah! Matty. <laughs> hey, you know, it's always good to be back. I mean, it's always good <laughs> oh, to be shit. in town. <laughs> hey, thanks for having me, Matt. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> it's a pleasure having you. <laughs> oh, classic. Woo! All right. Movie? What is it? Let's let's speed run this. We're speed running it? Yeah. Okay, uh the movie is uh shit, I didn't prepare for this. Uh get your notes, get your notes. The movie is uh here we go, here we this go. is uh it's called this. Uh, this is Final Tap. Yep. Nineteen eighty four American mockumentary film, co-written yep, yep. and directed by by Rob Reiner in his directorial debut. Uh, it, stars, it stars Christopher Guest, Michael McKean, and Harry Shearer as members of the fictional English heavy metal band yep, Final yep, Tap, yep. Are characterized as one of English mm, loudest mm, bands. Mm, mm. There it is. Boom. Yeah, Rob Reiner. We've seen him before. He directed. Uh, you know. Princess Bride, love it or hate it, he did it, and pretty uh, good movie. Pretty good movie. Also, one of the main characters in this movie, played by Christopher Guest, uh, his character's name is Nigel Tufnell. Uh, he was also in the Princess Bride as well. So, a little uh, family reunion, well, well, not really pre-family reunion. Who was he in Princess Bride? Six fingered man. <laughs> Six-fingered man. Oh, the guy who killed his dad. Yes, Ignino Montoya. Him. Yes, yes, yes. I, I I was watching Spinal Tap and like throughout the whole goddamn movie, I was like, "Who is this guy? Who is this guy? Who is this guy?" Like he looks so familiar. Um, and then once the movie was done, um, then I figured it out. But I'm going to dock this movie three bags. Uh, okay. For that, because Fair. you should have picked someone who you weren't going to use in a better movie. So then, when I watched that movie, I wasn't I wasn't wondering who he was. It really took it was it was it it ruined my immersion. You know that's fair too. Whenever I see an actor that I've seen in another movie, it takes me out of the movie because you know, right away suspension and disbelief gone. I mean, I know that's not that character. So that's why George know. Lucas picked nobodies for Star Wars. Okay, he had some forethought there. Well, except for Guinness. Well, whatever. He he. Well, and he killed him off. So, yeah. Okay, that's fair. You know, I mean, he he had him for box office draw, and then as soon as it was convenient, he showed him Gone. the draw. So, see ya. He's a shrewd filmmaker, that Mister Lucas. Okay, that's <laughs> what one. he's doing. He's a diamond in the rough for sure. He doesn't f around. He only puts out hits. He he keeps on hitting the fucking home runs, Mister <laughs> Lucas. Let's go. Was this a home run, Matt? Uh, I thought it was. I thought it was a home run. Yeah, hmm. I well, say it was a home. So this movie. <laughs> I, I, 
<laughs> At worst, it's a triple, you know? Okay. It's a triple, okay? I don't know shit about baseball. Is that good? Oh, three bases? Three bases. So it's yeah, pretty good. 75% of a home run. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. I'm hearing you. I'm hearing you. This is Spinal Tap. Yeah, so Rob Reiner plays a fictional director. And he's make it's basically a mock well not basically it is it is a mockumentary about this fictional band called Spinal Tap they make obscene covers they sing songs about sex uh and they're epic rock and roll they they're the guys who really rock um if they were real they would be the mascots of well our local radio station 94.3 Nothing but rock. <laughs> they they would be playing Spinal Tap every day, baby. I'd like to think that some classic rock stations have the, I don't know, self-awareness to maybe throw in a couple Spinal Tap songs during the day. Mm, I think, Depending uh, on the hours, maybe. Like Sex Farm, you know, that's a hit. <laughs> peak peak uh, rush hour hours, just Pink Floyd playing the radio edit of money where they butcher the song completely and... not even it's just like dire straits and <laughs> like like you know no this dire straits but they are what they are okay yep we we accept them and then there's like def leopard oh my god american woman hey don't talk shit about the guess who oh, i would guess more... who winnipeg is coping with that shit <laughs> on job hey. They had some hits, okay? They had some hits. They had some hits. They made music. I'll say that. You can't you can't deny it. They made music. Yeah. And that's that. <laughs> Basically he's catching them with their pants down. They're on their decline. And it's a sad story. They're um they're has beens. Or they're becoming has beens. And you kinda you get some jokes along the way. Notably crank it to eleven comes from this return to 11 whatever put it to 11 that comes from this movie if you've ever said that before if your 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 dad uh said it before this is that movie it's uh it's kind of funny it's got some jokes um i don't know if like i missed some because i'm sure there are like specific jabs at uh, bands but like the only thing i really found were jabs at the beatles i i found like a ton of those i don't know if you caught anymore because you're you're into some other, i'm like eh, i like in terms of classic rock uh i'm really into pink floyd and the beatles i'm kind of i'm a basic bitch that way and hendrix i like hendrix i like well they're them i'm really into I, you're like you you uh you stand the doors of of course I like Hendrix. Of course, <laughs> of course. Shout out to St- uh, Stephen. Ste- you know they ask him his influence. I don't. He doesn't care to list them, but of course he likes <laughs> Hendrix. Okay, they skewer a lot of bands in this. Uh, honestly, like basically any band, uh, early '60s to early '80s here. Um, especially the the British ones are not exempt from any of the parody here. Like they they take down the Beatles. Mm-hmm. The Stones, The Who a little, uh, even some Van Halen. They run the gambit here, okay? Nobody's n- nobody's free from criticism. But I don't think you need to be familiar with any of the band's histories 
or any of their turmoils or anything like that to enjoy this film because i mean you'll get the gist of it i think most people have a common understanding of the rock star lifestyle so it's something that i think can you know appeal to everybody in the comedic sense uh yeah like i think for the most part i think some jokes would go over your head or you just like enjoy them as like some of the uh scenes would just enjoy us them being sincere not knowing that they're jokes mm-hmm. yeah um but uh specifically let's just get into it let's talk about the movie let's speed run this shit um what mm-hmm. do you got for me what do you what do you think i think the movie's great mm-hmm. um i think it what um, do you know well, what do I know, really? I mean, to be quite frank, very little. Uh, I got specialists on hand that can tell you all about it if you like. But uh, look, okay, this is what I have to say. Mm-hmm. And what I have to say is this movie is pretty good. Mm-hmm. I, it touches greatness, okay? For yeah. Me. Here's what's good about the movie. Sure. Okay. Number one, I like the approach they took, which is... Um, a very naturalistic dialogue style. Um, in researching the film, I found that supposedly almost all of the dialogue in this is improvised just by the actors. Yep. Um, and that they just had general, of course, scene outlines and character info just to avoid contradictions and such. But I think that adds an element of, um, I don't know, authenticity to it. Um, supposedly, people thought Spinal Tap was a band when I'm they sure. saw the film at the time. Uh, and I could see why. Because the way they talk to each other and, you know, the way that they interact with each other. And how it's interview- filmed. And how it's filmed and the interviews they have um, with Reiner in the film, uh, which are a highlight. Those portions are great, yeah. always. Um, it's all, uh, it, it feels very real. Um, and because of that, I don't know, it just makes the film, whenever it pulls off jokes or setups or there's a big punchline at the end of the scene, um, it just makes it all that much better. Um, because I don't know, it's one thing to have a script that you deliberate over, over and over again. And then when you put it out, you have these jokes that are timed perfectly, et cetera, et cetera. But it's another thing to sort of let what I think here are very talented comedians just, you know, working their craft, um, doing things off the top of their head. And honestly, for like, for the vast majority of the time, really hitting those right comedic beats and producing a very, very funny film. Yeah, um, I I I think the big thing that I liked about this movie, other than the the comedy, which like almost every joke landed, um, definitely was a style of how number one is edited, and number two how it was it was filmed because it it's if you've seen a mockumentary, if you've seen like Trailer Park Boys, if you've seen The Office, if you've seen what's an older one, A Hard Day's Night. You, you know that shaky hand camera style um, where it's it's trying to be, you know, it's trying to be authentic. And they do it well in this movie. I, there was, like, a couple scenes where I was like, I swear this is ad-libbed and they're trying not to laugh. Like, there's this one scene where um, Christopher Guest's character, Nigel, is showing Rob Reiner's character, Marty, his guitars. And there's this one really nice uh, turquoise one or marine i don't know what color you'd call it uh but it's this really nice new guitar and he's like don't even don't don't touch it and then he's like pointing he's like don't don't point at it don't you know what don't even look at it 
<laughs> and I, I could tell the both of them were just trying not to, to laugh. Um, so not that that's a bad thing. Just that was the whole scene is just so funny that whatever. But that style of just fully, you know, the the cameramen are trying to make it seem like it's real. The actors are not, um, they're not saying scripted perfect things. Um, it it really sells that illusion of it of it being real. I think it does it really well. Um, the one thing that I didn't really like about the movie that I wish um, it did instead, and I and the reason I say this is because I think it was trying to do this. I just I don't think it did it as well as it could have. Is the the whole narrative of the movie narrative of like the um maybe the latter half i would say mm -hmm. um where they really start to decline in popularity they don't seem to take it all that seriously maybe mm -hmm. the characters are in denial but i would have liked to see some reflection or some emotion maybe i'm reaching in a comedy movie but maybe could have get some could have got some dark comedy moments there um it seemed like almost a bit of wasted potential uh there i mean you still get good um also i should say that there's great like parody songs where and artists that i like like Jimi hendrix did this too where they're they're just songs about sex but they just replace sex um like penis with whatever a pencil clumsy metaphors yeah yeah like that like that song i showed you uh an electric ladyland what was it which song was that that uh, crosstown traffic crosstown traffic where it's obviously just him like tire tracks across your back or whatever just talking about come <laughs> come on her back jesus that one <laughs> that one was hendrix you know he needed to take a, a step back there okay you know <laughs> he was out of hendrix was out of pocket for that one okay i'll say that <laughs> There's tons of songs that they do, um, where it's just obviously that, like, talking about farming and, like, my silo is getting large or whatever. All that stuff was hilarious. Um, but going back to it, yeah, I wish they would have, um, gone I I don't know, a little, a little deeper, a little darker there. I can I can agree with that in the sense that in terms of like characters, like the characters are kind of stock. They're just you know rock yeah. star archetypes. You have the sort of oblivious but still musically competent, like the lead vocalist and guitarist. Um, you have the dumbass bassist. Uh, you have you have the just the weird keyboardist that they barely show in this film. Yeah, uh, the the drummers that they cycle through throughout the film. In that sense, they're really just trying to mock rock stars. So the characters themselves aren't fleshed out in the way that they're real, real characters. But I think that in the context of the film, which is really just a pure mockumentary style film, maybe it, they could have fit in. They could have fitted like darker moments into it in the latter half. But I think like given the tone of the film i'm okay with the fact that they didn't because i mean the film is very brief first of all it's like an yeah. hour and 20 minutes which is which is incredibly short um so there wasn't there's they the whole film they're in decline and a lot of the jokes is just their waning popularity you know they have a record signing and nobody shows up or you know all their gigs get canceled and they get and they end up getting booked at more and more demeaning venues <laughs> like at a 
they co they're they're like they're co-starring or co-headlining with a puppet show at like a festival by the yes. end of the film. So they're so they're in a bad way. But as you mentioned, they're in denial about it, and it's kind of a joke about rock stars. You know, they're holding on to their past glory and they don't want to accept the facts. You have like a moment late in the film when the bassist. Um, Derek Smalls, he he goes to David, the lead vocalist, and he says, you know, maybe our time's up. Maybe we can just experiment, you know, you know, take a look at all those projects we had before, and then we'll move on. That was it, really. Um, and I could appreciate that little moment. At least, you know, it didn't get too dour in the sense um, that I don't know. Look, it, would I like? Would I have liked one of them to kill themselves at the end of the film? Yeah, it would have been true to life. However, um, <laughs> it's not that kind of movie. <laughs> i guess that's that's it uh there was a one of my favorite quotes was like at the end of the movie i don't know i can't remember exactly what it was um but it was like this lady reporter and she's like are you do you think you're ever gonna stop like spinal tap uh i want to see if i can find it uh, i should have run down the uh, quote yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh. Damn, I can't I find it. But that. she's like, "You ever think you're gonna stop?" And he was, um, he basically was like, uh, "No." It, that's what he says. But <laughs> he was like, "Ah, oh, shit! I'm gonna try and find it." You, you, you talk about something. Well, yeah, I was, I was gonna talk about some other things. Uh. So the jokes in the film are all great. One of the best things about it, and this is in due part due to the naturalistic dialogue, as I mentioned, is that there's a lot of subtlety to the humor because mm -hmm. in a conversational style, um, a lot of offhand comments are made or somebody will say something and then a new character will arrive and they'll begin a new sort of train of discourse. And you get a lot of great jokes of that, like just little one-liners and stuff that, you know in a way makes this movie great for headphones because you really want to hear all the dialogue because it all comes off throwaway because they're just supposed to be talking. Um, but there's some great lines buried in there. Um, there's also some subtle physical humor. Um, there's like a sequence, of course, where they're all in these pods, they get out, and then the basis is stuck there. That's, you know, the more obvious, uh, like, physical portion of the humor. But there's like subtle stuff that I like. Um, at a party at Polymer Records when they're discussing with one of the heads at Polymer about their, uh, I guess you can say, obscene album cover. Yeah. Um, they're ta they're talking about the cover and the <laughs> lyricism of their band and how it's, you know, you know, lecherous. They're just all about sex. Um, and they zoom in on the characters and they all have bumps, like cold sores <laughs> on their lips, like they have herpes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, that was a great, that was like a great joke. I laughed out loud when I saw that. Uh, there's a lot of small stuff like that peppered throughout the film where in a, in a way that it's sort of blink and you miss it humor. And that kind of just adds to the credit of the movie. Uh, it really feels fleshed out. Um, like Willy in, Wonka in almost. Like Willy... <laughs> I'm not even joking. Like Willy Wonka, that same thing where it was just like it, it was just little gags, like um, uh, like the reporter uh, when he meets Augustus Gloop or whatever. There's a shot where he's just standing perfectly in line with the antlers in the back. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? It's just like joke, 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 joke. Exactly. Yeah, it's chock full of them. Um, and I mean, it's easy for a film like this when there's 
improv improvisation and i've seen movies where there's improvisation and it doesn't work out too well yeah but despite you 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 might worry about filling time or you know like not enough jokes or somebody stutters or something like that but this movie is really fleshed out in that sense um i want to say like the script is good but i guess the script is not good because there is no script or the script or the outline for the movie is is not worth noting it's really just the actors who do a great job here um and i think all around performance wise i don't think there was a really weak performance in this the main trio here you get christopher guest uh harry Shearer, and uh who's the other guy hold on the actor's um, name yeah that's uh, a big Michael ass McKean. for me <laughs> Michael McKean. They all do a great job as the three main members of the band, and they also co-wrote the film with Rob Reiner. Um, everyone, everyone is feels authentic. Nobody felt out of place. Um, one uh, another example of humor, like physical humor or subtle humor that they had in the film, is this is not particularly subtle, but there was actually a cameo from Billy Crystal in this, and he plays a mime at the Polymer Records. Caitlin noticed that. <laughs> that i didn't that was pretty that was a funny scene like they just have these mimes that are like handing out hors d'oeuvres and they're miming like come on eat some and nobody's taking any and then after he's like come on like you know you, you went to school for this what's going on like <laughs> get another plate let's go come on yeah <laughs> and he said he says money is uh he says mime is money let's go let's go that was great um <laughs> uh, did you find what you were looking for uh yeah i did and the quote was just as glorious as i remembered okay let's hear it basically this reporter was like is this the end of spy on tap and um david the character was like i don't really think that the end can be assessed as of itself as being the end because what does the end feel like it's like saying when you try to extrapolate the end of the universe you say if the universe is indeed infinite then how uh what does that mean how far is all the way and then if it stops what's stopping it and what's behind what's stopping it so what's the end you know is my question to you <laughs> that's just a great example of the dialogue in the film it's almost yeah. hard to believe that it's improvised in that way uh <laughs> the characters come off like so like i guess for lack of a better term stupid yeah uh, they're all very empty-headed rock stars and they always attempt these these clumsy metaphors and analogies <laughs> and stuff like that because of their pretensions and stuff uh, it's all i don't know the the way that the movie just blends it all together um it, it just so seamless that i was honestly laughing during this movie and i don't laugh during a lot of comedies guys okay i know that's kind of a i found that's something more common than i had realized but i don't really laugh at comedies i laughed probably a good four or five times in this the amount of laughs i have in a comedy movie is equal to the amount of bags okay so, <laughs> so if there's five out of five so out three of ten bags for this we'll see <laughs> we'll see towards the end but it's getting up there just know that and i'm the same i mean i'll laugh at stuff that i, I like i'll find funny obviously but there is a lot of shit that i've like Spaceballs uh, last week, where, oh, okay, that was a reference. And and this has references, but they're, they're so transformative that um, y you could argue that they aren't references. And I'll, I, I kind of want to go over some that I noticed. I don't know if you had different takes on them or what, uh, what you found. And do you want to do that? Yeah, sure. Okay. There are a few, uh, what would you call them? 
I'll just say scenes. There are a few scenes where they do flashbacks of old performances they they had. <laughs> Mm-hmm. one was like their first one they said or something like that and it was a black and white um sort of beach boys teeny bop uh song that they're doing and i, mm-hmm. I swear that was supposed to be the beatles on the ed sullivan show i i think that was supposed to be like yeah like it, it, and it's funny because it was so that's that's another great element you can tell the reiner's really well versed or who or i guess the other three uh, actors here who contributed to the writing and the conception of this project that they're well versed in rock history and stuff because yeah that one scene where they shows them and it's a nice contrast because you show in the concert scenes in present day that of course they're very animated in the typical hard rock fashion with the elaborate costumes and mm-hmm. the somewhat fetishistic gear and <laughs> just the jumping around and you know how it is and then it, when they go back to that 50 scene and they show them just very in this very stilted way just standing around beep boop bop and their <laughs> guitars it's it's good um there was that one and they did another one which i swear was supposed to be like mystery tour sergeant pepper's beatles uh where they have like the kaleidoscope effect on screen mm-hmm. um oh, they had a name for themselves too which was very like sergeant peppers oh the flower people yeah um, and they even have they have go-go dancers in the background and stuff like that and then yeah at the end they have that sequence where they where they splice the image into five across the screen yeah. and then the outer four are all rotating together that was very good too and um like i swear that if that same exact effect is used in the mystery tour movie um and one of the characters too in that song is playing a sitar which whenever like Whenever I see some sort of rock thing and or a rock parody and one person's playing a sitar, I always just think of uh, of George Harrison. I th- I th- you know what I think that he was like really one of the first to use that. Um, I think story has it like for Norwegian Wood, he found like a sitar in a closet in Abbey uh, Road, and he was like, "Hmm, this is pretty cool." And then that was the end for him. He just went full <laughs> fucking. He went full. Sitar. Hindu mode. He went he went all in, bro. He went into the philosophy is traveling there. That was the beginning of the end for him. That, that, all <laughs> stuff, that stuff is all great. But yeah, that was definitely Beatles homage too. Um I also like to think that the character that they introduce in the latter half of the film Yoko Ono? And basically, I mean yeah. that's and I'm sure that this is like a common theme in, in many rock bands is yeah you know the the girlfriend or the spouse that you know was perhaps getting a little too involved in the band's affairs but i mean it's so the most common or most famous example is yoko ono so that's definitely an homage to that to some degree yeah um especially when she's uh, there's one scene where she's what and what's her character name i don't, I don't want to refer to her as she um Janine. Janine. Uh, where Janine's sitting in at a band meeting and she keeps like making suggestions and someone's like, sorry, are you in the band or what's uh, <laughs> what's happening? And that was very much like at, at the the Beatles had a rule, like no girlfriends or whatever in the recording studio. And then near the end of the Beatles lifespan, Yoko Ono was with John like all the goddamn time and and then yeah she was in the studio she was making calls she was uh, helping with revolution nine i don't know where uh 
where McCartney was during that song, but oh well, I guess he was. They forgot that invite. <laughs> that one, you, he wouldn't have let that one slide. You just know he would have been like, "No, this is not getting put on the album." But then he wasn't in the studio, so they're like, "Okay, hey, quick, let's put the shit out. <laughs> let's go, let's go, let's go, let's get let's the people go, talking." Go, go. <laughs> Say number nine a few times, John. Go, go, go! Number nine. Number, number nine, nine. Number nine. Number nine. And then this is the bullshit. But yeah, that um, that last half of the film actually, I guess, is more um, oriented. It it the character of Janine, I think, is introduced to give a little bit of direction or at least a little bit of storyline to the film because she's sort of and drama antagonist. Yeah, um, I think I'm I'm I actually read that. Um, allegedly the studio was like you should add a character like this because otherwise I, studios don't like it when you deviate from any formula so if there's no antagonist and there's no story add a then girlfriend be, then there's going to be a problem so they add the character I don't think it's to the detriment of the film though because in the way of the satire it works because as we mentioned that this is not something that this is something that does happen in rock yeah. bands um, and it also leads to the inevitable dissolution of the band, which you're waiting for at the end of the film. And then the classic reunion <laughs> when they're all shuffling their feet and looking at the floor and going, uh, yeah, um, I guess we should uh, restart the band uh, again. <laughs> and then they go to Japan and they have a great tour there. And there was one other big... This one, I, I'm not sure. This could be other bands. But there's this running gag throughout the movie that the drummer just mysteriously dies and gets replaced. Mm -hmm. But and I don't I don't know if you know this, but originally the Beatles had um, a drummer that wasn't Ringo. Mm -hmm. He was the last to join, I believe. Yeah, um, he didn't die, but he just uh, one day they're like, "Yeah, you you're gone." And they and they got Ringo. I don't know. Obviously, drummers aren't idiosyncratic, or drummers being replaced aren't idiosyncratic to the Beatles. But that's just what it reminded me of. I don't know if um if you thought of I I don't know if you thought that that was a reference to something else. Well, you know what? It was a it's always a common thing in like rock bands like this, and at the time where they just cycle few through members before they settle on a classic lineup, and then they have that lined up. And then, of course, in that same sort of idea, they also parody the rock star death, which of course occurs like crazy because they're all fiends. Um, or if he said Barrett, they even somehow manage, and this is just. The, just goes to show the deaf touch that this film has. They even managed to make a joke about choking on your own vomit after funny. <laughs> which is, Jimmy. they say, they're making jokes about all the drummers. They had like three in the past. Uh, R.I.P. Jimmy. You're right. R.I.P. Jimmy. Uh, also, R.I.P. I'm not even going to list all the rock stars that choked on their vomit. There's too many. Okay. But they're making jokes about all the drummers they or They're making, they're explaining the deaths of all the drummers they had. One of them you find out is just spontaneously combusted. Uh, um, one of them was in a gardening accident, uh, and then they say one of them choked on vomit. And initially you're like, "Wow, that's just kind of that's kind of heavy." And then he says, "We think it was somebody else's vomit, though. You know? but they don't they don't have the facilities to you know dust for vomit, so we can't." Be sure. so, even, so that was that was really funny. That was one of my favorite jokes in the movie. Uh, but yeah, the, <laughs> they really do a really great job of just doing this holistic take of rock stardom and just skewering every aspect of it. 
Um, and it's all done well, and it's all really funny. Yeah, yeah, we could go over all the jokes, but there, like, there wasn't, I don't think, a single joke that I really, like, groaned at or was, like, low-hanging fruit. It was all done, like, tastefully. Like, this is the endearing parody movie that Spaceballs should have been. Exactly. Because the thing with this is that it's, of course, it's homaging various aspects of rock history and such like that, but it's all its own. I mean, you know, they make fun of things and they poke fun, but it's got its own characters that you can recognize. And I think even though that they're not, as I said earlier, like fleshed out and they're not three dimensional, but they're all uh, very distinct. And I think they're very memorable as well. Um, Yeah. Yeah. They're they're real characters. It's a real movie. Yeah, it's not, you know, like we, they, they could have done the Spaceballs thing, which is they could have just had a Mick Jagger lead singer and then, uh, a, and then, oh, yes. look, yep. they got a, oh, look, they got a guy, a hippie guy with glasses and he beats his wife all the time. Huh? I wonder who this guy is, you know, yeah. like, they don't do that. Okay. So it's better that way. This is it's what Mel Brooks should have done. It's more better. That's all I have to say. It's more better. Uh, the the cover gag i don't know if that was supposed to be at someone specifically it made me think of iron maiden i don't know i it's just because i hate iron maiden cover art and all of their art with a passion <laughs> it like just throw that all in the goddamn trash dude it's so cool it's he's got red eyes and a skull oh, and like, like that guitar iron maiden art makes me think of like the song bad to the bone like it's bad, bad. It's so embarrassing. It's like a skeleton, <laughs> and he's holding a gun, and then in the other hand, he's like holding a tit, and then he's <laughs> dripping with cum, and <laughs> and then this is Iron Maiden, born to rock, and under it, please. If you have an Iron Maiden shirt, throw that away. Thank you. Uh, one one self uh, fulfilling prophecy though was they mm-hmm. do a gag where the the album was called like Smell the Glove, and they don't show the album cover. I thought it was gonna be a Boogie Nights situation where they'll do a where they talk about it the whole movie and then show it at the end. Um, mm-hmm. And the the original cover was like a naked woman on all fours, and she has like a dog collar and leash on and the sky's making her smell this leather glove and then they're like okay we can't do that that's sexist and they're like it, it is sexy yeah that's the point and they're like no it's sexist and they're like huh <laughs> um but they're like we gotta replace it they replace it with the, an all black cover and then they talk about the we uh, the weedles god the Beatles White Album. They're like, it's like that, you know? It'll be cool. Um, This came out in 1984. I, when did this album come out? Maybe it was actually a, a joke on that album. Uh, let me fact check this right now. Um, This album came out in... Which album are you talking about? 1991. Okay, self-fulfilling uh, prophecy. Metallica's Black Album. Oh, yeah, yeah. So... It, says, it says in the... Supposedly, on the Wikipedia here, it says that um, their Black album was an homage to Smell the Glove. 
Actually? So, I guess that's what it says on the Wikipedia. It says I, in the back, it says earlier in the 1992 tour with Metallica and Guns N' Roses, which they described the tour itself as very spinal tap. Um, it says the Black Album was an homage to that. <laughs> okay, I didn't. I did not read that. That's just what it made me think of. I, 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 I swear I didn't set this joke up. Also, if we're on the subject of it, I just quickly want to say Guns N' Roses is one of the worst rock bands of all fucking time. <laughs> Every song no. that they do in Spinal Tap is unironically a Guns N' Roses song. There's this one stupid... No, November fucking... Rain. November yeah, Rain, it's, bro. So it's so sicko good. mode. Um, it's so sicko Guns mode. Guns N' Roses... It's so... Dude, um, you... They have one of the worst on chest. lyrics I've ever heard of all God... Is it? Oh, is it okay? Um, there's this one song by Guns N' Roses. I play it at my work all the time, and there's this one lyric. And every time I hear it, I want to no longer be able to hear. Um, you lost a lot more. Um, okay, I have to find the exact quote. Mm-hmm. Dude, you don't know the Guns N' Roses discography front to back. What? Oh, it's Bon Jovi. You know what? That's my bad. It was a Bon Jovi song, but both are equally as bad. They're basically, let's be honest, Imagine Dragons for Boomers. And no, you can't say that. And I can't allow this. Bon Jovi's lyrics has is, Remember when we used to park on Butler Street out in the dark? Remember when we lost the keys? And you lost more than that in my back seat, baby. Um, so so tasteful. tasteful yeah oh my god great lyric but going back to guns and roses um obviously that one doesn't apply but i could find others guns and roses songs are unironically spinal tap songs where <laughs> welcome to the jungle um i can't handle them i can't take it guns and roses sucks uh number one <laughs> thing you don't want to hear in your first day of jail is guns and roses welcome to the jungle that is an mpe <laughs> joke that i just stole not good Sorry, back to the movie. What about what about what about Metallica? Um, I listened to like two Metallica albums, and I think they're all good. Um, I listened to uh, Kill 'Em All, which is like I think their first album. It's just thrash metal. Like if you you liked um, Infest Rat's Nest by King Giz, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like it's it it's that. Um, you know that meme where it's. Uh, the critic from Ratatouille, and then he goes back in time. <laughs> it's yeah. it's basically Infest of Rats Nest is him eating that Ratatouille, and then he goes back and it he imagines himself eating uh, Kill 'Em All. <laughs> and, and I listened to that one, and what was the other some kind of monster, something like that. That one was also good. I need to listen to more of them though. I need to listen to Lulu. I heard that one is shit. Yeah, I want to hear what the uh, all the noise is about. Uh, you know, it's funny if we're on the topic. Um, there's even a section on the Wikipedia about Rockstar's reactions. Apparently, a lot of them, like half of the members of Led Zeppelin, they said it was all accurate. Osborne said it was very accurate. Um, <laughs> this is the funniest piece. Um, Apparently, Aerosmith guitarist Brad Whitford said, the first time Steven Tyler saw it, he didn't see any humor in it. So that's mm. how. So that tells us, I think, all we need to know about Mr. Tyler. 
And I mean, come on, he's also like a prototype here for the characters in this film. I mean, yeah, I'll say this: his lyricism is better. You know, I see Dream On, yeah, it's not too bad. But uh, yeah, <laughs> that song, Dream On again. I believe, I don't want to hear that song. It is an Imagine Dragon song. It's radioactive for boomers. It's got a cool riff, you know. It's got uh, it's oh. got drums in it. It's got a good guitar, bass. Those are the it's guys that band. really rock. <laughs> this this movie will. I'm sure that <laughs> I'm sure there's a large sect of listeners of butt rock and classic rock radio and the drive who will watch this and go. Mm. But um, for the more discerning people like us, you know, in true intellectuals. Um, true sigma males true sigma males and sigma lifters <laughs> we know what's up I, one last thing for me i gotta highlight my my favorite joke i do this every episode i'm sure i said something else is my favorite joke this is my favorite joke mm-hmm. they're like okay we basically they just think that they're just missing a piece of the puzzle the whole movie and they have to find a new gimmick to use, and that'll really get their numbers back up. So for one um, concert, they're like, let's go back to the medieval theme. Or what? what's the exact name for it? Not medieval. Uh... First, first this, oh, for the Stonehenge thing? Yeah. Yeah, medieval, I would say so. There's a specific... Uh, it's something rock. God, I'm really off my game today. Anyways, I'll just say medieval. Like the, like the genre of music? Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Anyways, they're just doing the whole medieval shtick. And the Christopher Guest character is like, okay, we need to design something cool like Stonehenge. And he draws it out on a napkin while they're at a restaurant. And he writes 18 inches tall instead of 18 feet. <laughs> For the Stonehenge prop. And then, while they're performing, this stupid little Stonehenge prop falls down from the sky. And then they have two little people dance around it in, like, dwarf costumes or something, or elf costumes. And, like, I, I almost peed myself laughing. Because it just looks so fucking stupid. And, like, if I was imagining myself at that concert scene... This stupid little thing fall down. It was so funny. And then they're like, the the manager's like, hey, it's not my job to um to to say what you guys think. If you give me something that says 18 inches tall, I'm gonna do that. It's not my job to to think for you guys. You tell me what to do, I'll do it. That scene is that scene is funny also because the manager takes it to the artist, the artist fucks up and he's pissed at the artist. And then he goes back to the band. <laughs> And he's like, I don't see what the problem is. So you know that, like, he, he knows he fucked up, but because, yes. like, you know, he wants to have the high ground. Uh, I like to think that's also what managers are like. They're like, oh, I didn't do nothing wrong here. And I mean, he's and <laughs> and then and then in that same scene, he quits because he's had enough. He's tired of washing their undies and making sure they take their their milkies on time or whatever. Um, and, and then they get Janine to take over. I guess we didn't really talk about the ending of the film here, but basically Janine takes over and um, Nigel quits. Mm-hmm. And and then they're directionless for a bit. They're playing a couple of crappy shows and then they're singing a con to quits. And then Nigel comes back 
And he says, uh, Ian wants you to know the old manager that they're charting, or Sex Farm is charting again in Japan. They're making fun of the big in Japan thing. And then they reunite. And then at the end, you see that they hired him back. And he's got his uh, cricket bat that he keeps for uh, various <laughs> destructive purposes. And then Janine is sitting there with a sour look on her face. So you assume that she got fired. And then that's the end of the movie. Yeah, and uh, they have their big uh, J- Jack Japan tour. I don't know if that was a, a direct joke at anything. So there's like this, there's this phenomenon. Big in Japan is just like apparently, like sometimes randomly, Western music will start charting in Japan, and then they're just big in Japan. And and it's also just like used as a term, like popularity in a very specific or narrow or audience focused kind of way. So that was that was a, that was like a good that was also a good joke to end the movie on is that and it's a bittersweet one because obviously they their heyday is gone and in that sense it's kind of sad to see these old men prancing around on stage as they mentioned earlier in the film but uh, they have their victory there because they found success elsewhere and you know who's to measure success by yourself very true good note to end it on Matt how many bags this movie. I'm giving this movie four to five bags. Um, what was that? Four to five or four out of five? Four. I'm giving it four to five bags. Okay. Um, anywhere between four and two. Um, it's four out of, out of five. Okay. And the reason is because mm-hmm. it's a pretty damn good movie. And my problems with it, I really don't have any problems with this movie. Um, but as I said, you know, not every film can hit the five bagger just because it's a perfect movie okay yeah i agree i i'd probably think like eight um eight eight baggeroonies for me out of ten um again my big thing was just i wish it hit a little harder near the end of the movie um and maybe for some people it does hit hard because you know that's pretty subjective you could look at the scene where they're playing at the navy air base um, or playing at the papachon think man that really sucks but the characters themselves don't really have enough drama for it to like i can look at stuff i can look at the performances and i could say to myself damn that sucks but the characters aren't really doing that so i can't fully say okay well then i can't say that really sucks because they don't seem to care all that much i need a bit more drama um near the the back half of the movie to really crank it to 11. (laughs) (laughs) Ayo, let's go! (laughs) 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 Woo! That's what the people are here for, okay? The the things they know. You get them here, guys. The things they know are caustic wit... Look, I don't mean to overstate things, but we're geniuses, to be quite honest. Hey, and there's yeah, no, there's no you know, two ways around it. You said it, not me. <laughs> and they're saying it too, and everyone's saying it, and the people are chanting our names. And that's the way it is. Um, next week, Highway to Hell. You guys were asking for this one um, after uh, last... What was that? Huh? What no, continue. You, Go ahead. I heard a noise from you. What was that? Uh, nothing. Must have been a glitch. What must have been one of those internet glitches? Yeah, I heard a lot about them. You guys were talking a lot of 
lot of mess about the movie. You guys are really excited. I can't wait to for them to do Highway to Hell. Please do a Highway to Hell. Lots of DMs. Uh, we're doing it this week. Uh, 14th appearance of Ben Stiller. Uh, maybe first edition of Gilbert Gottfried as Hitler. This is going to be a good movie. Let's I have see. so... Look. Hmm? Do, be honest, be honest, be honest. Jerry Stiller's mm-hmm. in it too. Holy shit. Okay, um, you know what? We're playing a game because Luke wants to play games. He, he loves his games. He loves spinning the wheel. He loves games <laughs> of chance. He likes to have fun on the show, okay? And I, I like to have I'm fun. A, I'm, a, I'm a fun guy too. Let's play a game. Let's play a game called How Many Bags Do We Think We'll Give This Movie Next Week? Ten okay? bags. I'm going to say... <laughs> that's your guess? Okay, Luke says he'll give this game ten... Uh, he'll give this movie ten bags next week, okay? Let's see whoever's closest in bags, okay? I'm going to say that this is going to be a one fucking bag movie. <laughs> Because I mean, if you just look, mm-hmm. if you just look mm-hmm. at it, mm-hmm. that's all you need to know. So I'm saying one bag. Luke says ten bag. We'll see who wins this one. Uh, if I win this, then we're, you know what? There is no condition. We're not doing the wheel again. This is the last wheel pick. You know, if you're gonna use the wheel, keep it quiet. You know, don't don't broadcast it on the show because I don't want people to know that's how we're right. using. Right. That's how we're doing our selection process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's it. You're done. I'm hearing what you're saying. Um, we'll see going forward what actually happens, but you know, I'm look, glad. I'm you... not th- look. I'm not threatening you, but just think of the consequences. This is you your first warning. To... That's all I'm gonna. You need say. two people to do your. Sh- you need two people to do the show. Well, okay? I need one person to press press start recording and one person to watch Highway to Hell. Okay. Well, okay. Well, so we'll see how you how well you do that next week by yourself. Is that how you want to do it? I'll, I'll do two recordings, one of me talking to myself, the other I'll do like a voice, maybe a Kermit the Frog impression. It'll, it'll be, be great. Like... It'll be so... experimental. You can submit it to film festivals. It'll be awesome. Yeah, I'll get the Palm d'Or or whatever. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. So I'm thinking 10 bags for Highway to Hell. It's looking All sweet. Right. It's looking what tooth, um, Death Race 2000 should have been. The King of the Road is about to meet the Prince of Darkness. Highway to Hell. Oh, yeah, this is going to be good. We need a third Death Race iteration. A second remake. Someone's going to do that, right? Someone. Just, yeah, I'm we, waiting. We, we just need another chance. If I have to be serious, probably... Um, Probably nine bags for Highway to Hell, if I'm being serious. Okay, that's uh, that's realistic. That's reasonable. I'll take that. Nine bags bag. is your official I submission. Mean, I say Let's... one bag. Huh? You say nine bags. I say one bag. Um, adjust the scales, of course, because ours are different. But uh, we'll see how close our predictions are. Okay, if I'm being if I'm being serious, let's stop fooling around, guys. Um, okay. Judging from this poster and all the screenshots of the movie and everything looking bad, I'm going to say six bags. That's generous. I'm a generous guy. (laughs) I like to think so. I like to think so. I like to think I'm pretty generous for putting up with this. Well, one bag, I mean, maybe bump it up a bit. I'm going to be honest next week, you know, I won't, I'm not going to try to win, you know, if I like the movie, I'll like the movie, but I mean, I'm just going to show that when you just spin a wheel and you pick from a list of movies that I don't know where you got this list because we don't know like Mm -hmm. most of the movies on it. Mm -hmm. 
it uh, the results are less than great. I'm hearing you. Well, you keep saying you're hearing me, but I it doesn't really feel like you're hearing me. You're well, hearing the... me, but you're not listening. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, end the show. End the show quick. Well, I was going to offer you, if uh, if you want, is there a Matthew's Comic Corner today? Uh, oh, there's, um, I didn't have one prepared. Um, next know. week I'll give a, next week I'll have a Comic Corner for you guys, okay? Next week. Okay. Uh, the only post-bag thing I have to say, I for, forget if I said this last week, I don't think so, but finished season one of Fargo, was really good, highly recommend season one of Fargo. I like it a heck of a lot more than the original movie. Um, and I like it a heck of a lot more than the original murders that took place. So for for that reason, I'm going to give it mm, nine bags. Nine or ten bags. Really good. Um, the Hobbit, Martin, whatever his last name is, he does a great job. The other guys, they do good jobs too. Sorry, I don't know your names. And... Season two so far not looking so hot, uh, but I'll give it. I I kind of wanted to maybe just watch because it's an anthology uh, show, right? And when you have a really good season, you kind of just subconsciously expect that the next season is just gonna be that. Uh, I kind of wanted to like cleanse my palate and watch something else, but we just hop into it, and what I thought was gonna happen happened, and it's like hmm. This is kind of different, but hopefully we get more into the groove of it and it finds its pacing and it gets a little better. I think we're only on season or episode three, I think, but I don't, it's a lot more flat. It's stylistically, it's different as well, but it's not, not that good so far. We'll see. Can we get bags for the movie and the murders just for context? The, uh, the movie, mm, you know, seven or eight bags. I, I think, and have you seen Fargo? I have not, unfortunately. Okay. Um, well then you can't really challenge me on this, but I kind of think that uh, maybe this is, this is not right for me to say, but I feel like it's right. Is that no country for old men is kind of better Fargo. And it's much, much better. And then, so I, I watch Fargo, then I watch No Country, then I watch Fargo again. It's like, hmm, Fargo isn't as good as I remember. I, it's still a good movie, but like the last little bit of the movie is like, they're like, uh, wrap it up, wrap it up. Come on, let's finish it. It like it needed to be lo longer or do more in its t uh, with the time that it had. Because at the end, it was like, ah, oh, shit, get to the finish line. Let's go. They just Usain bolted their way to the end. I see. So for the movie, yeah, seven or eight bags. The murders, kind of cringe. Um, four bags, maybe. <laughs> it was a four. Well, this is a bad joke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the family, that was kind of a four-bagger uh, attempt. Well, it wasn't okay. an attempt, it happened. So four-bag sort of deal. I don't think you're giving the murders enough credit, but that's okay. Uh, mm. We can talk about it at another time. This is all a joke. <laughs> I don't. No, I don't actually remember what murder is real or not. It might. 
I know because it says like Fargo is based on a true story and they say that in the show, but it, when people say that, you know, your first instinct is that it all happened, but really Fargo is a, they, they took a bunch of stories, romanticize them and mush them together. So I don't actually know how many murders were real, but they were, uh, they were cringe for bags. Four bag murders. Okay. Okay. Matt and I are watching Cowboy Bebop. I think we're almost halfway. It's going good. Yeah, really great show. Uh, it's a lot of fun. I mean, it looks great. I mean, this is what this is what all this this is what all the hubbub has been about these these Japanese cartoons. And you know, maybe I've been sleeping on them a little too much. Yeah, I'm into, I, uh, I, I like spe- speaking of which. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, I like anime that's like that. I like seeing the darker side. The the anime uh, where it's just eight-year-old girls showing you their panties, not a big fan of. Um, or just trash anime where it's 800 <laughs> episodes um, to get ad revenue on TV. Not a fan of those. Uh, just trash like that. Gonna, you know, Or just shows where you get the gist and jojo too i don't want to see another jojo in my life Um, hey you know jojo makes so many classic rock references you guys wake up skip the shower and go straight to making jojo memes i've seen the show through all your stupid oh you're approaching me Uh haha i am i'm nani I'm done with JoJo. When I see JoJo cosplayers at conventions too, they always just grind my gears. Oh, God. Like, when people say, oh, this was my nom, this was my nom. Being around JoJo fans is my nom, guys. I seriously step back or I'm going to be approaching you. And yeah, that's a JoJo reference. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) Is that a a motherfucking JoJo (laughs) reference? Ah Ahaha. That's a motherfucking Death Grips reference. I'm going to be death gripping your throat if you dress as a JoJo <laughs> character in public again. Hey, don't blink. They might throw, you know, Mick Ride and the whole gang in there. <sighs> you know, a little ex- episode called Ex-Military or something. <laughs> I, I, well, I, one day I'm going to like the show probably, <laughs> so I don't even know what I'm talking I, about. Probably not. Probably not. I, yeah. I watched like the first episode. Was it with you or with somebody else? Yeah, it was probably with me. It wasn't that good, but I mean, I, I guess I got to give it more of a chance. Uh, that's not on the list. Let's just say that. Uh, it's It looks funny, though. Mm-hmm. Like, it looks funny. Not like the show looks like it'll be funny, <laughs> but it looks funny. Yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. I like the style. I like how it looks, but yeah. Crap. If you guys are curious, we did not watch Godzilla vs. Kong. Um, this is the last I'm, week. What? I think we said that last week. You watched it? No, we said that we didn't watch it last week. Yeah, we didn't watch it this week again. Um, You know what? The movie came out and then it's over. God, the way that movies come out now in this pandemic of ours is that I don't even notice that they came out. Um, Maybe this is um, a bad... Look, maybe this is a cardinal sin. Maybe this just goes to show how much of a casual I am. But I took a look at the Oscar nominees for this year, and I couldn't recognize one. Um, and a movie like this, you know, 
it comes out and I've half of the appeal of a blockbuster like this is the word of mouth, the hype, you know, yep. going to the theater, seeing it's crowded audience reaction. So, you know, when you really strip all that away, you see what a movie like this is really worth, which is, you know, maybe not a hell of a lot, but uh, I'll get around to watching it. I promise within the next five years. You know what I was saying the other day? Um, Netflix is what now? 12 bucks for the regular plan? Like the basic, basic plan? Something like that. I can double check that for you. If you had just Netflix, that's $144 a year. Do you know how many DVDs you could buy with that money? Um, If you get them cheap? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I haven't bought a DVD. Well, I buy Blu-rays, but those ones, depending, are like, you know, like 12. Like, the cheapest Blu-ray you can get is like, if it's like bargain being like 5 bucks, but usually like 10 to $20. I don't know about DVDs, though. DVDs you get dirt cheap. You can get them at like a thrift store for a buck. Then you can get about 100 movies and probably some classics, too, because you know they'll just have, you know dvd copies of godfather or dvd copies of you know older films that have just had that are just used if you go to any used video store if you have one in your area r.i.p yeah that business model like you could just buy every movie that you like and then if you ever wanted to see another movie or check one out you could just uh buy it for cheap and I like I think that's what I'm gonna do when I move out, honestly. Because, like Star Trek, I I have all of Star Trek, the original series. I got it for like ninety bucks, Blu-ray. Um, okay, less than a year subscription to Netflix, and all I've watched on Netflix is Star Trek, the original series, The Next Generation, now Fargo. Like, and you know they're gonna ramp up their prices. There's no way in hell they won't. And then you just own the you just own the movie, and nobody's ever gonna say, uh, "We actually have to update your DVD player, um, so you can no longer watch fucking YouTube on your Apple TV that you bought without using AirDrop." So cool. Moment. Yeah, I wasn't that chill, unfortunately. And you know the older models, the older Apple TV models. Um, sorry, we no longer support that. Wi-Fi doesn't work for it. We don't have the servers. All that stuff's gonna happen, and it's just gonna become more and more and more expensive. And and every, I'm sure, um, there's gonna be a point where anybody, uh, any big company like one, I guess on Fox is owned by um, Disney, but any other big company is gonna say, "Hey, it's probably cheaper and more profitable if we just make our own streaming service." And we'll make more money instead of having to share uh, revenue with Netflix. And then everybody's going to do that. And then you're going to have to have a million streaming services when you could just go uh, out and just buy a movie that you like. And you can just own it. Nobody's ever going to touch it. And it's yours. Yeah. And I looked at the pricing for Netflix. Now, yeah. the cheapest you can get, the basic plan is $10. However... You don't have HD. You can't watch move anything in HD. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ha I'm gonna go ahead and and delete that option because okay. if you're not watching things in HD, then what are you doing? You know, mm -hmm. standard is fifteen 
and premium is uh, 19. So if you get the premium plan um, with tax, we'll say that's 20, you know, <laughs> you know, just like $240 a year. <laughs> <laughs> and all I watched this year was going through all of TOS and TNG. And I think you can buy TNG for like 200 bucks. And then I just own that. And whenever I want to go back, I can just watch that. And I think recently too, um, Disney Plus is like, oh, hey guys, by the way, we're raising our prices. Ha <laughs> Yeah, um, the streaming game is, is it's not promising. Um, what is one to do if one wants to legally watch a lot of content? Um, well, pay up. Uh, that's that's heavy, man. I hope that answers <laughs> your question. Yeah, I'm not a fan of. Uh, I mean, I I hated cable um, because. Um, so North American cable is just you just get bombarded with ads like four ad breaks for a show. Are we serious? I, I'm surprised that honestly, like Netflix doesn't have ads already. Just wait. Or, uh, if, you know, maybe beforehand. Maybe there'll be like previews. You know. Well, they do that maybe. already. And what? And when you finish watching the something, there will be a pre. Huh? No, I, no. I mean, like, um, not like preview, like previews for like upcoming Netflix things or something like that. But they would just have the option to skip if that was something. I'm thinking like in in relation to the theater experience where you have commercials, previews, mm. and the show. They probably will one day. I mean, why not? Yeah, why not? Anyways, that's my plea to you guys: just go out and buy physical copies. It'll be yours for life. If you're not a dumbass with it, it will last your entire lifetime. Don't use it as an ashtray or a coaster. Um, same with music. If you like music, just go and buy it. So one day when you're on Spotify, you say, oh, that version I liked is it's gone now. And there's only this new remastering of it. Just go out and buy it. And it will be yours forever. And you can listen to it. And it will be beautiful forever. Except when Disc Rod happens, but... We won't talk about that. Don't buy CDs. Don't buy CDs. I, well, actually, do you know how long... Last thing, and then we'll end the show. Do you know how long the lifespan of a CD actually is? I think it's like a, I think it's longer than a, a human lifetime. A human lifetime. I don't know. Well, I... From what I... From what I know about Discord, it's like in improper conditions, It's it could happen within like 20 to 30 years. Hmm. But I don't know if that's just paranoia or just, you know, people worrying about the permanence of their collections. I mean, I, we we now have DVDs and stuff that are like, uh, well, how old is the format now? Like, like, close to 20 years old, it must be. Over. Oh, over 20, yeah, it must be over 20 years old. I mean, I think they're, um, I think my DVDs are okay. So, I, honestly, probably not, not something you have to worry about. Except for maybe the long, long haul. Same thing with like magnetism, like VHSs and uh, cassettes have a, a lifespan, but that also is like depends on how much you play them. Like I have some Star Wars VHSs that still look great, um, but I'm only gonna take them out sometimes now. Um, 
because now I have my Sweet Harmony Edition Blu-ray because Disney will never release the original cuts. But now I can have that and watch it. So that's what I'm ending the show on. Please, just uh, if you like something, go out and buy it. It's better better way to support the artist, and then you get to have it forever and cherish it. Do you have anything else you want to say? Uh, no. Great. Um, oh, shit. Uh, can you just say the word dairy for me? A dairy. Thanks. <laughs> I just remembered. I just remembered. anything you heard today make sure to stay tuned for weekly episodes available for streaming on spotify apple Podcasts, and umfm.com and don't forget to follow our instagram page at cop podcast